The words penance, penance, penance are associated with the revealed portion of the third secret of Fatima. As the explanation of that secret from Our Lady remains unrevealed, and there is always an explanation when it comes to approved Marian apparitions, the need for penance remains obvious to most of the faithful. It's clear that we live in a fallen world, with a culture spreading across the world that doesn't respect life, the family, or, of course, God and his church. Yet this corruption has entered into the temple itself. That much is obvious. At Akita in the 1970s and 1980s, we had another approved apparition, approved by the only authority that traditionally does approve apparitions, the local bishop, and not Rome like some people erroneously believe. The message of Akita was rather simple, a divided church, error, and scandal running rampant, leading to a terrible great chastisement. Like most other Marian apparitions, this message has been ignored and informally suppressed. Now we have a possible new message from Akita, though I do recommend caution, as only one website is reporting it. However, the message remains sound. Penance is needed for what happened in Rome last month. I'll go over that message with you today, and then show you why it wasn't a unique occurrence. Popes have paid homage to pagan idols in the recent past, and I'm not only talking about Francis. So let's get into this alleged new message from Akita, and then look at this dark bit of history of the church. But first, I wanted to thank the patrons of this channel for supporting this work. It is greatly appreciated. If you want to support the work of this channel, you can do so by going to Subscribestar or Patreon and pledging as little as $1 a month and get access to patron-only live streams and early access to some of my larger videos. You can find links to Subscribestar and Patreon in the description of this video, as well as other options to support this channel. Also, keep an eye out for some patron-exclusive content coming in the near future. Thank you, and God bless. So the story is only being reported by something called WQPH Radio, which is a self-described affiliate of EWTN. For clarity, an affiliate doesn't mean that it's owned by EWTN, but that they play a large portion of EWTN's programming. I haven't seen this article anywhere else that didn't source it to the story. But it went viral on social media over the weekend. Here's the alleged message. Quoting the source. Around 3.30 a.m. on Sunday, October 6, 2019, the same angel that appeared to me, Sister Agnes Sasagawa, 30 years ago in Akita appeared. Firstly, the angel told me, again, Sister Agnes, a private message. After that, the angel told Sister Agnes the message for everyone. Put on ashes and pray for a repentant rosary every day. You must become like a child and make sacrifice every day. End quote. The alleged message goes on to include an otherwise irrelevant reference to a conversation Sister Agnes had with another person. So is this real? Maybe? It's being billed as a response from heaven to the paganism on display at the Amazon Synod. October 6th was the first day of the Amazon Synod for real, and at that time we saw the weird processions with the pagan idols and the weird boat with Francis's name carved on it being brought into St. Peter's and placed above the tomb of St. Peter himself in an act of profound desecration. Now, I'm a bit skeptical of this for a couple of reasons. First, the angel would get the date of the original Akita message right. Our Lady appeared to Sister Agnes on October 13, 1973, and then a few times in the years after with some other incredible events happening in that time period. So, 46 years have passed, not 30. That's kind of a big difference. The other reason is that this is being reported anonymously to an otherwise unknown Catholic website. No one else has reported this as far as I can tell, so I am skeptical. 
and I sincerely doubt that this will ever be approved by the local bishop, especially since the local bishop is allegedly complicit in the informal suppression of the Akita message today. However, that having been said, the message is 100% on point. We should be doing acts of reparation for what happened with the pagan idols in Rome, and we should be saying many rosaries as acts of reparation. I'm not saying nearly enough rosaries, and I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in this either, even though I do pray the rosary daily. We could all be praying more. Which brings me to my next point. What we saw with the demon we call P and its idols at the Synod isn't anything new. I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but the first pontiff to engage in these kind of acts was John Paul II at his fam famous Assisi conferences. You can find videos on YouTube that go into great detail about Assisi. Before we get into that, here's my disclaimer. I am not passing judgment on John Paul II. A lot of people bristle when you point out the things he did during his pontificate were the forerunner to what we see in the Amazon Synod and other similar things going on today. So I'm going to quote a, directly a respected Catholic historian on this issue, Henry Sire, in his book Phoenix from the Ashes. His take is more measured than many others you'll find. Quote, Nevertheless, the worst enormity of the ecumenical movement has not yet been touched on. In this case, exceptionally, the guilt does not belong to the Second Vatican Council, nor to Paul VI. It is found in the perversion introduced into the ecumenical movement by John Paul II, who turned it from a search for Christian unity to a general convergence of world religions. Several times in his reign, this false direction led him into shocking associations with paganism. Thus, during his visit to India in February 1982, he allowed a Hindu priestess to impose the mark of Talak on him, and another a few days later to smear sacred ashes on his forehead in a Hindu ritual. In 1995, in Australia, he conducted the Beatification Mass of Mary of the Cross MacKillop, at which the penitential rite was replaced by a ritual taken from Aboriginal fire worship. But these exhibitions were outdone by the Pope's project of summoning leaders of all the world's religions to join him at Assisi in October 1986 with the object of praying together for world peace. At this meeting, under the Pope's presidency, representatives of many Christian churches, together with an assortment of Hindus, Tibetan lamas, Japanese bonzes, tribal snake worshippers, and animists of all sorts performed their respective rites, some of the less mainstream officiants showing a little embarrassment at having to exhibit their customs outside the privacy of their native groves. For a day, the town of St. Francis was given over to displays of pagan worship. Cardinal Silvio Odi reported that a group of Buddhists entered the church of San Pietro, set up a statue of Buddha on the tabernacle of the altar, and venerated it with a prayer scroll and incense. When a Benedictine priest protested at the sacrilege, he was taken away by the police. These activities, all conducted at the Pope's behest, provoked the question what meaning John Paul attached to the First Commandment, by order and by importance, thou shalt not have strange gods before me. End quote. This conference caused such a great scandal that John Paul II later had the church reconsecrated. Interestingly enough, later the building was severely damaged in a strange earthquake, but I'm sure that has absolutely nothing to do with anything, right? Right? Here's another account of the Assisi Conference, this time by Crux Online Magazine, which claims to be taking the Catholic pulse. And no one is going to accuse that outlet of being a reactionary, rad-trad magazine. Quote, The group that day included rabbis wearing yarmulkes and Sikhs in turbans, 
Muslims praying on thick carpets, and a Zoroastrian kindling a sacred fire. Robert Runcie, the Anglican Archbishop of Canterbury, exchanged pleasantries with the Dalai Lama. Orthodox bishops chatted with Alan Bosick, the South African anti-apartheid activist and president of the World Alliance of Reformed Churches. After the different traditions finished their prayers, the spiritual leaders gathered at a Franciscan monastery for a meal of bread, pizza, vegetables, coke, and water. In a rare concession for Italians, no wine was served so as to not offend believers for whom alcohol is off-limits. End quote. Makes you wonder why they had coke, unless they didn't have any Mormons present. Anyway, once upon a time, if you prayed with non-Catholics or attended their worship services, it was considered a mortal sin. If they were not Christians, you were suspected of heresy for doing so. Not anymore, and not for a long time, it seems. At least 33 years and counting. The rules changed, except for a few of us angry trads most people have forgotten. But John Paul II didn't have one Assisi conference. He had three of them. In addition to the October 1986 meeting, another was held in 1993, and again in 2002. Under the pontificate of Benedict XVI, another was held in 2011. Perhaps in a way that is letting the mask slip, Francis is having an Assisi conference with the religion of global elites. In Assisi, in March 2020, there will be a meeting with economists to discuss the Francis agenda. Go figure, and unless I've been banned by then, I plan to cover it. It is worth noting that Benedict XVI had misgivings about attending the 2011 Assisi conference and nearly canceled but changed his mind later. I only mention that in the interest of transparency and honesty. And again... I'm not pointing all of this out to pass judgment on John Paul II. That is not my place, nor is it my place to opine about the state of his or anyone else's soul. My point is this. What we saw is nothing new. Penance is needed. Acts of reparation are needed and have been for a long time now. So does it matter if the Akita message is authentic? I mean, in a way, yes, because falsely attributing a message to Our Lady must be a grave sin. I mean, seriously, think about that. However, the message itself is true. We need to engage in acts of reparation for the grave sins that have been done. They are the logical outcome of one of the biggest errors of the Second Vatican Council, the promotion of a false ecumenism that puts a Catholic Church on equal footing with other Christian religions, and, as a logical consequence, has led to the seeing of non-Christian religions as a valid means of salvation, instead of the false gospels that they are. This is how we got to the false idea that other Abrahamic religions worship the same God as Christians, and the false idea promoted by the likes of Bishop Barron, that Christ is the privileged path to salvation. Yes, he really said that, and he said it to one of the most popular podcasters in the United States, a man of Hebrew origin who needs Christ as much as anyone else who doesn't believe in him. And that is a tragedy, born out of the false ecumenism of the 1960s and thereafter, leading naturally to the idea that pagan religions can save. Extra Ecclesium Nola Salus is a dogma of the Catholic faith for a reason, and we should take it seriously. Yet the, de- the desire of the hierarchs of the church to get along with the world necessitated ignoring or even undermining this dogma, leading logically to what we saw in the Vatican this past month. So authentic message or not, the alleged new message from Akita is true enough. Penance, penance, penance. What will you do? Think about it for a while, and remember... Advent is practically here, which means that Lent isn't far off either. Start thinking about how to make this coming Lent really count for your own salvation and for penance and reparation for the grave sins we saw on display. You can also look at traditional penitential practices for the Advent season. A storm is coming. 
Thank you for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.